chapter number 16. <laughs> oh, thank the Lord. In Luke chapter 16, I want to read the first nine verses. So everybody find that Luke chapter 16 in the New Testament. And we're going to read together the first nine verses. Now this is a parable, which is a kingdom lesson that Jesus taught. And it's called the parable of the unjust steward. Or some people would call it the unfaithful steward. And I want to talk to you about the subject that is raised in this parable. And it's really talking about money. And it's talking about an attitude toward money. And specifically, how a man had a wrong attitude toward money. But then when he changed his attitude toward money, his whole life and future was changed. And I'm going to believe that for every one of us here tonight as well. All right, so Luke chapter 16, the first nine verses, everybody. Are you there? Say amen if you are. All right. Follow it as I read Luke chapter 16, the first nine verses. The Bible says this. Watch. It says, he also said to his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward or a caretaker. That's what a steward is. And an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship. For you can no longer be steward or in control of my money. Then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. I am ashamed to beg. I have resolved what to do. That when I am put out of the stewardship. They may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors. To himself. And said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and write or pay 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? So he said, 100 measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write or pay 80. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly for the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And I say to you, make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. 
Now, there's only one major thought and principle that I want to talk to you all about tonight. And that major thought and principle just simply comes from the core of this Bible story. And that is this. Everybody look at me and listen to this. This man is called an unjust, we could say an unfaithful, you can even go forward, you could call him evil, you can call him wicked because he was stealing money from his master, but the Bible calls him this unfaithful, unjust steward, and so the story starts off with him being a villain. He's a thief. He's in charge of this man's bank account. He's in charge of all of his goods and all of his property. And he's there stealing and, and, and abusing his privilege. But when you get to the end of the story, he's a hero. The Bible says that God commends him, which means the word commendation or celebrates him or like bringing someone up and pinning a medal on their chest, commend, commendation. Basically, it is a proud recognition. So at the end of the story, God shows him off and makes him an example for everybody. So get the story. He starts off, you unjust man, you crook, you wicked, you're a thief. And by the end of the story, Come up here, let me pin a medal on your chest. You're a hero. You did well. Pat him on the back. Hey, everybody, look at what he's done. That's what I want you to do. And so the mystery is how does this man in the story go from villain to hero just like that? Now, most villains that you know are still villains tomorrow. All right. Most thieves that I know are still thieves unless they give their life to Jesus Christ. But this man starts off being a horrible, unjust, unfaithful man. And then Jesus commends him. So stuff like this is worth studying. It's like, God, how does that happen? Well, we want to talk a little bit about how it happened because... If it can happen for him and God puts it in the Bible, wouldn't you agree that it can happen for you? Come on. If God can change him, God can change you. But the whole lesson centers around this one thing. He changed his attitude toward money. Now you see, folks, money is a very deep and spiritual subject. Much of our lives revolve around money because we have to spend money to buy food. We have to spend money to buy gas to put in our car. Come on, we have to spend money to buy clothes, to pay rent, to pay a mortgage. We have to spend money to burn the lights and have water bill and gas bill and you know so almost every day we're thinking about money so because it is something that's part of everybody's everyday life it has the potential to send you into the dark side of wickedness or it has the potential to lift you into the light and the glory of God 
And that is exactly what you're seeing in this scripture. A man that was on the dark side because his attitude toward money was so wrong. But as soon as he changed his mind, he was lifted and commended by God. Can I tell you that same thing that's true in that scripture is true in Atlanta and it's true right here in our church. You know why? Because some of you have already been on that dark side of money. I'm looking at y'all, y'all looking good tonight, but some of y'all used to be thieves. Some of y'all used to be scammers. Some of y'all did some horrible things as it relates to money. But look at what God's done in your life, amen. Now you're sitting in church and paying your tithes and getting blessed by God, giving pledges to a building fund and, and sending money to down in the island of Jamaica and sustaining those pastors down there. And look what God has done. And I want to show you folks how this man went from hero to villain and in showing you that, teach you a few lessons about the real spiritual nature of money. Now, this is not an offering sermon, so everybody can surely relax. All this is for is for teaching and instruction. I'm not going to secretly pass the plates and take an offering after I'm done. Okay, I've got everybody convicted. Now give it up. That's not what I'm doing. The whole idea tonight is to teach you something that will change your life. And as your life is, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, folks, you're going to have to deal with money, whether you like it or not. And because you're going to have to deal with it, you have to know that it is spiritual. All right, so let me begin the lesson. And I'm going to come back to this man, the hero, uh, who was once a villain. I'm going to come back there. But I want to begin by, first of all, Stating for the record tonight, for those of you online and who are listening to me at home, listen, a lot of people don't know this. They just think money is, you know, a debit card or greenbacks and cash stocks and different things like that. And people have completely ignored biblical teaching. But look at me and listen to me, folks. There is a spiritual connection to money. It is a spiritual subject. It is as spiritual as the subject of prayer. It is as spiritual as the subject of fasting and attending church and lifting your hands and worshiping. It is so spiritual that it has the capacity to send you to heaven or to hell. This one subject, money. If you don't have the right attitude toward it, you can never establish yourself as a Christian. You can never live an effective life as a disciple. You can't maintain a healthy and good marriage. You won't be able to succeed in ministry. Everything in this parable came down to this man's attitude toward money. So I want you to stop right here and ask yourself, what is my attitude toward money? Now, because it is spiritual, 
let me first take you to the dark side. Now, I want you to go and look at this scripture with me. Uh, Matthew chapter number 19. And let's go to 23 and 24. All right. Matthew 19, 23 and 24. Um, do we have the microphone, Dennis, so that we can get some readers? All right. David's got it. All right. And so uh, who will read for me Matthew chapter 19? verse 23 and verse 24. All right, Brother Steve is going to read it. Uh, you got the microphone? Go ahead, get it over there for him there, Giles. Thank you. All right, praise the Lord. Just 23 and 24, just those two. And then right after that, I'm going to get Matthew 6 and 24. Who will get that one for me? All right, Adonis is going to get Matthew 6 and 24 right after. Okay, go ahead, Steve. And Jesus said to his disciples, Surely I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. All right, so Jesus says, everybody, you've heard this before. He said how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. This used to trouble me because he's basically saying if you're rich, you are at some type of spiritual disadvantage when it comes to your soul making it into heaven. Folks, that ought to worry everybody. You know why? Because secretly everybody would love to be rich. I can tell you right now, you ain't working to be poor. Come on, you ain't getting up doing your 9 to 5 and some of you 7 to 6 or 4 o'clock in the morning to 3. You ain't doing that so that you can just barely pay your bills. You're not investing, you know, in property and in the stock market so you can have nothing. Come on, you ain't doing all that overtime so that you can have nothing. You're doing it because you want more money. So Jesus says, if a man is rich, he is jeopardizing his spiritual condition. He said, oh, how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, let me ask you all a question. Why do you think? I want you all to think about this for a minute. Because Jesus said it, I didn't and you didn't. Jesus said it, and that's why I had Steve read it, so you can mark it in your Bible and be in awe, just like I used to be. God is saying it's hard for a rich man to get into heaven. Well, what about all these celebrities like Beyonce and Jay-Z? And, and you know, my, my man the other day who said he gave his life to Jesus, you know, Kanye West. And these people got lots of money. What about these professional basketball and football players? They've got big old contracts, 300 and 400 million dollars. Does that mean there's no need witnessing to them, no need evangelizing them because they're wealthy? I want you to think about this for a moment because I want to talk to you clearly about it. Why do you think Jesus said it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven? Let me get some feedback here so I can kind of find out where you guys are. Will, why do you think? 
Who's got the microphone? Who's got the microphone? Who's got the microphone? Come on, you got to go. Come on, you got to run now for me, John. There you go. Speak into the mic. I'm, we're only I'm, doing this for those who are listening online so they can hear. Go ahead. I'll say it's kind of hard for someone that has a lot of money to feel need because when they need something, they just purchase it. And so almost like they feel like they don't need God because they become dependent on their money. Okay, that's a very good answer, and it's very true. Will said when people are very rich, they don't feel their need for God. Okay, very good. Go ahead, Dale. Well, it also talks about in the Bible how, how you can't serve two masters, and it's almost like people who have a lot of money, they replace God with money. It talks about in the Bible that you can't serve God and mammon. You can't mm -hmm. serve God and money. So it's almost like people that have, they have so much money, they almost get lost in the money. And they replace God with money. So because you can't serve two gods, if you have money up there, there's no place for God. Mm. And if they're worshiping money, they're not going to be worshiping God. Amen. Very, very good. Now, folks, listen. Uh, this Bible study tonight applies to every single one of us. So I don't want y'all falling asleep in these next few moments. This is so serious. Because everybody here, if you were dead, dead honest, you would say to God in prayer, Lord, I need more money. I know I do. Personally, and our church does as well. So, so many of the prayers that people are praying is for finances. God, we need more money. And the reason why is because in our minds, if I had money, more money, what? I could do more things. I could be more comfortable, right? I could purchase certain things that I want. I could get myself out of debt. And so money almost seems as if it has the power to fix problems. Well, do you know that God wants to be your problem fixer? Come on, God wants you to lean on him. You know, there's nations around the world that have gone into deep recession because they believed that money was a cure-all and a fix-all. And literally overnight, money can lose every bit of its value. When I say overnight, I mean literally overnight. You know, when my wife and I moved to Jamaica years ago, we would take one U.S. dollar and we would change it for Jamaican dollars and they would give us five. I remember. And I was feeling good. Woo! Give in one and I get five? Glory to God. And we were feeling like, man, look how rich we are. You give $20 and you got $100. It's like, man, life is good. But then the price that you had to pay for things, you realize, oh, $100 ain't going very far. But you know, today, it's well, well in excess of $100 for one U.S. dollar. You're talking about in just a short amount of time, that money has devalued to the point where now the money really, really can hardly do anything. You give somebody 100 Jamaican dollars now, it's like an insult. What is this? You know, they, they laugh at it. Where at one time, that was a whole lot of money. My point is money can lose its value overnight. You can ask Tapiwa about Zimbabwe. You know, 
Somebody gave me a $50 million Zimbabwe note. One of the pastors in the conference in England when I was over there, he said, here, Pastor Carnegie, this is for you. And I looked at it, $50 million. And I said, you know, it can't be worth too much if you've just given it to me like that. He said, if people in Zimbabwe see this on the street, they're just going to walk by like you would a penny. That's how far the money has devalued. It has completely crashed until the point now that that Zimbabwe currency is no good. They have to switch and start using our money, U.S. dollars, because the, the money has lost so much value. Now, you know, at one time, he told me this $50 million I had in my hand. He said, at one time, this could buy you five brand new cars. Now, you see it on the street and you just walk by. Just the other day, it could buy you five brand new cars. Now they won't even pick it up. Folks, I'm going to tell you, the source is not money. The source is God. And that's why in this scripture, this man goes from being a villain to being a hero because he got a revelation that God simply wants all of us to get as his people and anybody listening to me online to understand that if you put your confidence in money, then you're putting your confidence in something that is extremely unstable. Even right now in America, those of you who shop, you notice how prices have gone up? You know, when prices go up, that's called inflation, which means your dollar can buy less now. This is the law of economics. My dollar used to buy a bag of potato chips. Now my dollar can only buy this or it can only buy this is still a dollar but the prices are going up which means as the prices go up the power or the value of the dollar is weakening and it's going to continue to weaken and weaken until like the bible says in the book of revelation that people are going to have to spend a whole day's wages a whole day's wages just to have a meal Things are going to get so difficult in the economic crash that's coming under the Antichrist. And so when governments make foolish decisions financially and take us trillions of dollars into debt, we're being set up for that great big cash, that big great crash. So here's my message to you folks. We all need a revelation of the spiritual nature of money and the source of our sustenance is not money, it's God. Can you all say amen? I said, it is God. And so he says here that it's difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And it's not because he has money. Come on, y'all believe that rich people can get saved? Of course they can. So if he says a rich man can't enter heaven, it's not because of the money. It's got to be because of what? His attitude toward the money. It's got to be because of the way he thinks about money. That's what the Bible study is about. How do you think about money? Do you think money can fix your problems? Do you think money is the answer to everything? Do you think that money is your savior? Do you think that money is going to bring you peace and help? Then what you're doing is you're putting money in God's place. 
said it's very difficult because like Will said and like what Dale said, all of a sudden people have got money. And you know what? Hey, I can fix my own problems now. I can bring myself joy now. I can make myself happy now. See, all of that is God's job. Say amen. See, but what money does is it makes you think that your money can do it. But guess how many people have been let down? Guess how many rich people have taken their own life? So the man in the scripture has a change of attitude toward money. He has a revelation about money that causes God to give him this commendation. And that's where we're going to try to end up in this Bible study if time allows us. But remember, when he says it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, he says a camel can go through the eye of a needle before a rich man can get into heaven. Just remember, it's not because of his money. It's the way he thinks about money. Well, see, here is the danger that you and I can think that way about money too. Come on. You can think that way about money if somebody just give you $100. You ain't got to have a million. You know, some people can just change jobs from $10 an hour to $20 an hour, and you can start thinking that all of a sudden money is your savior and money is your hope and money is your answer. You see, you don't have to have millions. It's all about the way you think about money. Never, ever let money take God's place in your life. Amen, Amen everybody. All right, so the other scripture was mentioned by Dale quickly, but we're going to read it. It's Matthew chapter 6, verse number 24. Who's going to read it? Adonis, go ahead. Just give him the mic there, my brother, and just read it out loud for me, Adonis. Matthew 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and Okay, there, there's a number of key things in this scripture that I have to drop right now before we move on in this Bible study lesson. All right, he says, you cannot serve God and mammon. We know what God is, but mammon is simply wealth or riches. That's all it is. Mammon is the name of a spirit that is connected to wealth and riches. It is a spirit that speaks to you. It's a spirit that makes you happy around money. It's a spirit that makes you want to sin in order to get money. It's a spirit that will make you withhold tithing from God. Mammon is just a spiritual name on the dark side for the power that wealth and riches has over people's life. Some of you have seen people come into money and they change. That's mammon. So God says you cannot serve God and mammon. So you all know that if God says you cannot do something, what does that mean in Greek? It means you cannot do something. Right? If I say a blind man cannot see, what does that mean? He cannot see. The crippled man cannot walk, that means he cannot walk. 
If I say God cannot lie, means he cannot lie. It is an impossible scenario. Say amen. So when he says you cannot serve God and mammon, why are so many people still trying to do the impossible? You can't do it. What he's saying is these two do not coexist. They cannot coexist. If you have money and your attitude toward money is, man, I've arrived now. I've got a newfound liberty and a newfound freedom. He said, you are going to go off the rails with God because you cannot serve God and mammon. Y'all say amen with me. All right, now the other thing that is very important in this verse that Adonis read is this one word. If I were to say, what do you think the most important word in this scripture is? You might say, well, God, mammon. But I'm going to tell you, the most revealing word in this scripture is the word serve. You cannot serve God and mammon. That tells you that mammon has the same power that God has to exercise authority and control over your life. Just like we would serve God, people serve mammon. So the word that you really need to internalize tonight is the word serve, which tells you that mammon speaks. That mammon commands. That mammon lures and pulls. Are y'all listening to me tonight? He said, you cannot serve the two of them. So you don't just hang out with mammon. You don't just kind of sit there and chill out with mammon. When mammon gets a hold of you, it wants to be your master. The same way God does. And he says, because of what mammon is, you can't serve it and God. So as we go through the Bible study lesson, these scriptures are designed to change your thinking about money. That's why I read the parable of the unjust steward, because his mind changed toward money. At first, he is a steward. He is responsible for this man's money, and he starts stealing it and siphoning it off the top. He's running game and scamming it. He's a thief. But midway through the story, he changes his attitude, and he gets a commendation from God. That's it. He changed his attitude toward money. All God is after tonight is if there's anybody in here that don't have the right attitude toward money, that you change your attitude toward money. Money is not your God. Money is not your provider. Money is not your savior. You have to see money in the spiritual light that the Bible teaches it in. See, money can do great things in a heart that is sold out to God. But money can do horrible things in the heart of someone who is serving the devil. That's what pimps do. That's what prostitutes do. That's what child traffickers do. 
That's what pornographers do. Come on, y'all talk to me. Come on. That's what liquor stores do. That's what drug dealers do. These are people who have lots of money, but their heart is sold out to Satan. And so that money is serving a horrible purpose. Well, if you change your attitude toward money and put your money under the control of the Holy Spirit, the Bible talks about the commendation. That's what causes this man to be set up as an example by God because he changes his attitude toward money. I feel somebody's listening to me right now. God help us all right now. See, because we got to deal with money, every one of us is subject to this. You can't talk about trying to pretend like you're so spiritual. Yeah, yeah you're so spiritual until you get $10,000. You know, some people get $10,000, won't even pay their tithes. People get a million dollars, and all of a sudden, they're too good for Metro Atlanta Christian Center. Oh, I'm preaching what I know to be true tonight. Money will change you. You see, and so the reality is, if your attitude toward money is like what we see in the scripture... Oh, what a blessed life and future you're going to have. I've watched, you guys, more people, and I'm talking about their personal life, just you an individual, and then watch people in their married life, and then watch people in their ministry life, pastors and missionaries and workers and people involved in the work of God. I've seen all of these levels, personal, marriage, and ministry. And I can tell you right now, the number one downfall of personal marriage and ministry is money. The number one. Case after case, as I'm standing here before you today, the number one thing. It's not that they're going out fornicating and committing adultery and getting drunk and smoking weed. You know, you, know, you might have the rare case of that. But when you talk about the hundreds and hundreds of personal failure, money. The hundreds and hundreds of marriages that fail, money. The hundreds and hundreds of people that give up the ministry, money. See, if your mind about money, if your attitude about money isn't in line with the word of God, look, it's going to be a hard road for you. Because mammon will always take you to the dark side. Now, let me give you a couple of factoids, just in case some of you Probably, if you like one of those trivial pursuit type of people, you know, you like getting a few little facts here and there. Uh, let me give you a factoid. Listen. There are over 2,000, somewhere around 2015 or so, references to money and wealth in the Bible. 2,000. Folks, that's a lot. We're talking Genesis all the way down to the book of Revelation. There are over 2,000 references to money and wealth. All right? So God has a lot to say about money. Here's factoid number two. Money by itself is mentioned over 800 times directly. Money. You know, the 2,000 plus is money and wealth and riches and so and so like that and possessions. But 800 direct references 
to money itself. What I'm trying to show you is God is speaking a lot in the Bible about money. And you have that, well, why? And here is factoid number three. Listen to this one. In the New Testament, money is the second most discussed or talked about subject. I'm talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the epistles, right through until the book of Revelation. In the New Testament alone, money is the second most mentioned subject. You know what the first is? The kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God is talked about the most in the New Testament. And right behind that is not heaven. Is not hell. Is not the Holy Spirit. Is not salvation, the blood of Jesus or any of that. All those things are there. But the second most talked about subject in the New Testament is money. Okay, so over 2,000 references, 800 direct mentions, and it's the second most talked about subject in the New Testament. Ain't that a lot of money talk? Why? Because you wouldn't have thought that. You would have thought our money might be mentioned two or three times. But it's like it's all over the Bible. And so what is it that causes God to leave such a, a concise and overwhelming record of money issues, principles, and teaching in the New Testament? Why? I'm going to tell you why right now. Because a person's attitude toward money is like the number one revealer of your heart and your character. Now, I know a lot of people think they think the number one revealer of their heart and character is maybe the things that I say, how often I go to church, how loud I pray, you wish. How many know the devil can pray loud? A Muslim can pray loud. A thief who just got caught can pray loud. Loud prayer is not a revealer of anything. Jesus said, and we'll pull up the reference to this, he says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, listen, he says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Unbelievable statement, full of revelation and truth. He said, I can, I can know your heart. You mean you can know someone's heart? Did the Bible say God look upon the heart? Didn't God say it? Didn't he say that man looks upon the outward, but God looks upon the heart? So, you know, when you're looking at somebody, you say, oh, look at look how she shapes nice, or look at his hair. And, you know, some people are fat, some people are thin, some people got black skin, light skin, you know. And so we assess people outwardly, and none of that matters to God. What matters to God is your heart. 
Well, how can we see someone's heart? We can't. We can see their face. We can see their size. We can hear their accent. He said, I can tell you about their heart. Look at your money. You see, because your heart is spiritually connected to the finances in your life in a very unique way to the point that Jesus says your heart follows money. Wow. You know, <laughs> this might be a little silly. It might even seem funny, but you know, since I've moved to Georgia, I see a lot of possums. I didn't used to see them out there in Arizona. I didn't see none in Jamaica either. But there are possums everywhere around here. And you go out at night and you see them. And you, they're sniffing around the garbage. They're sniffing around the street. And I can tell you right now, those possums, when they find a dead squirrel on the street, it's like revival. Your heart follows money like a possum follows a dead squirrel. That's what God is saying. All I got to do is take a look at your money and I've got everything that I need to know about your heart. Pastor Warner told us years ago, shout amen and run around this church. <laughs> oh, he's a good pastor. So you do all of that stuff and you get up and testify, oh Jesus, oh Jesus. He said, but all I need to do is look at your bank statement and start going through them items. Marshalls, Walmart, TJ Maxx, Kroger, just to start going through, going through. Atlanta Falcons game, Atlanta Hawks game. Just start going through, oh, purchase a new car. Just, just go through. He said, and that's going to tell me everything I need to know about where your heart is. Because that's where your money is. If I come across MACC on your bank statement, $1,000, woo! That says something. Atlanta Hawks got 50. Kroger got 80. You know, the BP gas station shell got 20. MACC got 1,000. Yeah. Jesus is saying something. See, you've got to have the right attitude toward money, folks, because your heart is mysteriously connected. He said the spirit of mammon is constantly pulling. He said if you trust in riches, you're like the rich man who endangers his soul for going from going to heaven. And so we're just on the first page of my notes. I got three more pages to go. Time is already up. You see, because this is such a, a, a serious thing, you, you can't put this off. 
You can't ignore this. And in the parable, Jesus commends a man because this man basically changes his attitude toward money. At first, his attitude toward money is that he's stealing it, he's scamming it, he's thinking that, hey, if I steal my master's money, having money is the highest success in life. He's wheeling and dealing and, and making it off of his boss's goods until he gets busted and he gets caught and he gets fired. Then all of a sudden, he says, I don't know what to do. But if I'm going to survive, I'm going to have to change my attitude toward money. And instead of being somebody who is taking, taking, taking because I want money to make me rich and make me famous and make me comfortable and make me pleasurable, whatever the case may be, he goes out and starts telling people, you owe the boss a hundred uh, just pay 50. You owe the boss 100, just pay 80. And all of a sudden, he's giving money back. He's serving people. And he's realizing the purpose of money is not just to line my pockets, but it's to serve and to bless God's kingdom. It's to give and to be able to bring glory to God and bring joy to people's needs in life. And his mind so changes that God comes along and says, well done, you devil. Pats him on the back and tells everybody, come here. Here is an object lesson for everybody. Look at what this wicked man has done. He said, you go out and you do the same thing. You have the right attitude toward money. Everybody say amen. Amen. <laughs> Now for us, I can go into this part of the lesson, but you know, if I go into it, it it'll be too long. So I'm going to save it for uh, next week. But I will say this to you, listen to me before I get ready to finish. <laughs> you must never think, ever, 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 that if I just had more money, I'll have more power, I'll have more fame. I'll have more freedom. That's what caused this man to steal this money in the first place. If I just had more money, all of my problems would go away. That's what turns people into thieves and con men and scammers. It's what causes good Christian people to begin to go sour. Because even though they know better, that pool of money just hangs around them. If you just had more money and, and they'll disobey God just so they can have more money. This is the problem. God wants you to always lean on him as your source, everybody. Let me close with this story because I'm going to save this. It's this, this too good to waste. I don't want to do it now. When I first moved to Jamaica, 1987 we got launched out into Jamaica when I first got there you know I'm a missionary our church back in Tucson is supporting us financially you know I'm not working a job in Jamaica so Pastor Warner sends us money every month so that we can live and we can stay there you know he bought us a car and 
He's paying for the church building and, you know, just typical missionary support. He's looking after us. And it was nice to be able to just be a full-time pastor because, hey, every month that money is in the bank. Well, you know, as the church began to grow and we begin to collect our own offerings and people in our church start paying tithes, you know, my mindset was, hey, Pastor Warner got way more money than we got in Jamaica. And so every time we needed something, I'd call him. Pastor Warner. Hey, Marty, what's up? Two of our microphones broke. Can you send me some money for two new microphones? Okay. Pastor Warner. Yes, Marty. Hey, Pastor Warner, we need 50 more chairs. Can you send us money for 50 more chairs? Okay, Marty. What is it, Marty? Pastor Warner, two of my tires on my car you know, our ball. I need some new tires. You know, can you? Okay. And every time I needed something, I would just call him and he would send the money. Well, you know, the day came when he put a stop to that mess. I called him. Yes, Marty. Pastor Warren. He said, Marty, if you need money, stop it. I was like, what? I'm a missionary down here and we're building a church. Come on. He said, your church collects offerings. Your people in your church, they pay tithes. It's about time you get weaned from the Tucson breast. He said, you need to start asking those people in your church to support the ministry. Buy microphones, buy chairs. And all I'm thinking, but these Jamaican people are poor. They don't have a lot of money. And, you know, and he said, well, they're never going to have any dignity and rise up if you just keep asking me for money. They'll feel proud to support their church and build the kingdom. If you will challenge them, they need to know it's their responsibility. And man, he's just on the phone just psh, 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 slapping me. You see, my attitude toward money is like, hey, Tucson got a big old bank account. Just ring the phone and send the money. And he said to me, you've been there a few years now. It's time for you to trust God financially. It's time for you to do what I have to do. Get down and pray. Oh, God, we need this. Can you provide a way? He said, because it's not Tucson's money that is your help. He said, God is your help. And what you have to do as a pastor who's going to grow in your faith is you got to learn how to say, we don't have it. God, will you provide it? Here's why he pushed me in that direction, and I'm glad he did. Because, see, God doesn't need money to fix our problem. See, you'll never know that until you change your attitude toward money. I said, God don't need money. Who was it just told me on Sunday that somebody at their job gave them a car? God don't need money. Folks, God has a million ways to take care of you. You know, well, I need money for a surgery. No, no, God can heal you. Y'all need to say amen to what I'm saying right here. You, God doesn't need money to fix your problems. God is God, folks. 
God can heal without you having to write one check, you know, to Grady Hospital. God can get you a car without you having to have, you know, you know, 85 months of $300 payments. Somebody can come and give you one. You see, the Bible calls God Jehovah Jireh. He is a provider. He can just let you meet somebody who all of a sudden, you know, you have favor of God and that person is blessing you and taking care of you. I told you all here that even for our church here in Atlanta, there's people who don't even step foot in this church who send money to this church every month. But there's people who can do other things that can take care of the electric and can lay drywall and can do the ceiling and can do the floor and can lay tile. There's people who can do landscaping. A lot of things that would cost us money. God has a way. See, he is a provider. He's Jehovah Jireh. And so what he wants you to know is that he is your source. And so you got to get out of the attitude that I've got to do anything to get some money, even if I have to, you know, break the law or be dishonest or scam a little bit or take an extra job and miss church and take an extra shift. You got to be able to know that you can get down and pray and God has a way. And when Pastor Warner was pushing me, he said, you're never going to be a good pastor if all you're going to do is get on the phone and I need some money, I need some money. He said, you get on your knees and you say, God, you provide. And God did provide. And he's still providing. So the answer is this man in the parable changed his mind about money. And it changed his life. And it changed his position with God. And so I want to encourage you all. That's just the first page of notes. We got three more pages. So we may have to take three more Wednesdays to get through this. But it's something I want you to hear because there's some very good information and some very good scriptures as I, I'm going to continue this, you know, and so I just called it, Justin said, you know, hey, Pastor, what are you going to call your message now? I said, I don't have a title, just call it Money, Money, Money. And I remember the 70s, the OJ sang that song, some of y'all too young to remember. Money, 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 money. Anybody remember that? Oh, yeah, I got some, hey. Money, 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 money. Hey. But I'm going to tell you all right, this is so true. And if you understand that spirit of mind, you can rebuke that thing because you'll hear it. Some of you heard it today. You heard it this week. It's that spirit of money, spirit of mammon that I say, hey, trust money and don't trust God. So I want you to hold on to that. And we're going to take up next week and we're going to continue the flow. Let's all stand to our feet, everybody. Come on. Hallelujah. God is good. Oh, praise the Lord. Now, those of you listening online, I hope that you've been tuning in to the lesson tonight. Uh, we're going to continue it on, uh, but I want you to keep tuning in. Some of you, because we didn't even get into the whole idea of uh, money management and some of the other wonderful scriptures, you know, about the love of money being the root of all evil. Like I said, this is not because I'm trying to take an offering. It's because I want to teach you about... The, the, the whole spirit of what mammon can do and what the spirit of liberality can unleash in your life. And so we're going to sing this, take a few moments, and uh, if you want to pray, you say, oh God, you spoke to me tonight because I've always believed that more money